What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week and another episode of Point Blank. I'm Akeem Haynes, joined alongside by Miss Chantel Shan. Look, we have a lot to discuss today, but before we begin, Chantel, you were on the sidelines this weekend. Tell us a little bit about it. And also, I saw this, like, you tweeted something about an uppercut. Was there a fight? Did we? There was. There was a really good fight. Yeah, so I was on the sidelines for the NLL. It was the Warriors taking on Panther City, which is an expansion franchise in the National Lacrosse League in Fort Worth, Texas. There was a crazy fight. Owen Barker, man, he has a nasty uppercut. And if it would have landed, someone would have been put to sleep. <laughs> and yeah. so I know I missed the fights live, but I got to see one at the game. So I was and I was in between like I was in the suicide box in between the benches. So it was a good game. Congrats to the Warriors. They also play this Friday. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how they build on it. But great game. And uh, if you get a chance to check out the NLL on TSN, if you're in Canada, then make sure you do. And in the States, I believe it's on ESPN plus ESPN plus. OK, 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 Chantel. Well, we have a lot of things that we have to discuss today um, and we have to go to the NFL because I'm very curious as to what your thoughts are, because I know you've been rocking with one of these teams all year long and to see your pick finally come to reality in the Super Bowl, Chantel, what are your thoughts on this, on this, on this game, Chantel, against the Cincinnati Bengals and Los Angeles Rams? What, who do you have winning and what score do you think this game will end with? Well, first off, I just want to say I was right. <laughs> I mean, it feels really right. good to be right about a prediction you that you made right. at the beginning of the season. Now, it actually hasn't fully come to fruition because the Rams have to beat the Bengals in order for my prediction to be right. But so far, so good. Listen, the Bengals have played really well against one of the best offenses in the league when they took care of Kansas City two weeks ago. They're going to have to obviously put a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford and force him into turnovers. And you know what? The Bengals, they play a three-man rush, and it was pretty successful against Kansas City. Now, I want to know, and obviously we'll be able to see, but our are they going to go with that three-man rush again? Because if they do, it definitely opens up the run game, which I think could be good for Cam Akers. Um, but that three-man rush is still absolutely nasty. And, you know, I'm just going to take a look now at the Bengals and just focus on them. I think Joe Mixon is going to have to have a big game. I know it's going to be tough to rush against, you know, this D-line that's got an Aaron Donald, that's got a Leonard Floyd, that's got a Von Miller. Like, already, that's nasty. Yes. But I think Joe Mixon running the ball will definitely open up this game. And Joe Burrow, he needs to have another big game. He's had, like, what, like four big games in a row? Joe Burrow needs to have a Joe Burrow playoff performance because he's been absolutely unbelievable and in that game against Kansas City he really willed them to that victory he was using his legs he was escaping the pocket we're going to need to see a lot of that from Joe Burrow because like I mentioned this Rams defense they do not play and that O-line for the Bengals is absolutely terrible like let's be serious he's gonna get sacked <laughs> a lot and the one thing that I want to mention is we might see a record broken at the Super Bowl for most sacks allowed mm. because I do think the Rams are going to have a field day when it comes to those sacks. I think the big matchup that I'm looking forward to is Jamar chase and Jalen Ramsey, who's going to have the better game. Jalen Ramsey definitely has to have a big game for the Rams. He has to take control and cover Jamar chase. I don't know if it's going to be possible. The one guy that I think 
is going to have a crazy game and he's been unstoppable. I don't even think anyone can stop him. It's Cooper Cup. I've mentioned it before. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup right now are probably the best duo in the NFL. They are unstoppable. Cooper Cup, you're not going to be able to stop him, but this Bengals defense is going to have to contain him somehow, you know, and you look at the DBs like Flowers, Hilton, Apple, they got to have big games for the Bengals. As for the Rams, I think Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, you know, these guys are going to have a big game. Like I said, Cam Akers might have a good game if the Bengals decide to go with that three-man rush. I think that will open up some lanes for him. The thing with the Rams, they actually haven't had like this crazy run game all season long. In fact, their run game has been questionable. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's really hard for me to make a pick for this one. Actually, I know I was going with the rounds, but they've looked so yeah. sus the last couple of weeks, you know, almost losing to Tampa Bay, like really sneaking by for that win. And then for the Niners as well. So if I'm a betting woman and I am a betting woman, and right? You, woman. you know this, you know this. I would actually place my money on the Bengals, but my heart right now is telling me that the Rams will take care of the Bengals. It's going to be a really close one. Go down to the wire. Like every Rams postseason game has i think the rams get by the Bengals 27 to 24 what about you akeem who do you have winning the super bowl why tell me everything and um you know do we have a upset brewing because i know the rams are the favorite well <laughs> this 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 matchup on paper uh is probably one of the most identical super bowl matchups today like on paper if you look at the numbers Total yards, one team is ninth, the other team is 10th. Talk about passing, one team is fifth, the other is seventh. Rushing, one team is 25th, one team is 20, uh, 23rd. Both scoring 27 points a game. But here's the thing when it comes to these moments, Chantel. As you know, right, the stars got to show up, right? The stars got to show up. Who are the stars? Oh, that's a great, great question. Aaron Donald, you got to show up. Ramsey got to show up. Von Miller got to show up. Stafford, Cup, Akers, Jefferson, Ashawn Robinson, my Crimson Tide alumni, they all have to show up. And what I what is interesting about these moments and what the playoffs have been, it's been like maybe like two to four plays, key plays that really set the tone. And so for me, I think it's going to be a special teams play, maybe a missed field goal, maybe a, maybe a block punt. Maybe somebody misses a kick and they return it. Something is going to happen on that special team side. Um, someone is going to throw a pick. Someone's going to fumble. And I think uh, I think one of the safeties is going to come up big, Chantel. I don't know who yet because on both sides, sometimes they're both a little bit sus on the defense. So we're not always <laughs> sure. But I do think it is going to be come down to the one who limits – the turnover is the most, but I think three or four big plays is really going to turn this thing around. I mean, Joe Burrows got to show up, right? The trio of his receivers, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd all have to show up. And I think Chantel, even if they don't necessarily score touchdowns on every possession, if they can score points on every possession, because the Rams are flaky at times as we know, but that's a team that can put up a lot of points. I'm not saying the Bengals cannot put up points as well too, but I also think in this situation, I think the Rams sacrificed a lot, all the pieces they put around to even get to this position, right? And I think they know that. That team is going to look a lot, well, I don't want to say a lot different, but different next season. 
you don't make all those changes if you are not doing everything to seize this power now. I don't, I don't think people understand how hard it is for a team to get back to the Super Bowl after being there once before, right? This yeah. may be the Rams' only time of getting there. I'm not saying that it's not possible for them. Uh, Cincinnati is a very, very young team. Like their core group is a very young team. Um, I also think the NFL is a little bit rigged sometimes. So they may say, you know, Matthew Stafford, we saw you over there at Detroit. We know what's been going on over there. We're going to see if we can get you a win over here on the biggest stage, right? So I think when you take all of those until I think it's going to come down to three or four big plays, key moments, that's going to change the pace. Um, I think the third quarter is going to play a big, a big toll. And I think the first quarter is going to play a big toll too. How you, how you, start the game coming out cold, right? And then how you come out of halftime, I think uh, the game is going to be won in the first or third quarter. I'm going with, and I'm not a betting man, so I ain't going to bet no money on it, but I'm going with the LA Rams. I think it's going to be 30-27. It's going to be one on a field goal. Which is interesting because the Rams are four and a half point favorites. And so if you bet on the Bengals to cover, you can win some paper. So that is a good bet. And um, that's one I will be taking. But um, we both got the Rams winning, right? Well, uh, yes, yes. If you are a betting person, uh, Miss Chantel just holds you what you should do. You do it. Akeem's not going to do it. I don't like those risks, but Point Blank would love to know what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Who do you think wins? Oh, Chantel, before we even get to the next topic, yeah, I know you're uh, looking forward to the uh, halftime show. Oh, I can't. I I cannot wait for the halftime show. This might be the best halftime show since Janet Jackson, even though there was that big thing that happened with Justin Timberlake. That was really lame. But I think Janet had the best one because I'm a Janet stan. Um, But I'm excited for this because, you know, it's Dr. Dre, it's Snoop and Mary J. Blige and Kendrick's going to be there as well. So and of course, for people that are big Eminem fans, I know there there are really big Eminem fans. They're going to love it. So it's like super West Coast. Um, and you get a little bit of everything because like M's from Detroit, Mary J's from New York. So it's going to be dope. I think it's going to be, I'm ex- are you excited, Akeem? Because I remember I mentioned it to Akeem actually through text, like, oh, it's going to be dope. And you were just like, ah, you know, nothing impresses Akeem, but yeah, not yeah. feeling it. You know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let, Point Blake wants to know if you're excited for the Super Bowl halftime show. Also, if uh, you have picks, who do you have winning? Do you have the Bengals? Do you have the Rams? You can let us know in the comments below. And you'll also see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us on Twitter at Point Blank Pod and on Instagram at the Point Blank Pod. So make sure to drop some comments and, of course, hit that follow button. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button as well. All right. We got to move over from the gridiron to the hardwood because it's almost the NBA trade deadline. And there's been so many rumors swirling. So I got to ask you, Akeem, you know, what would be the best trade scenario and who needs to be moved before the deadline? Yeah, I'm going to go against some different uh, picks than most people would go against. I know there's a lot of things happening. You know, I read something today with CJ McCollum and obviously James Harden has been in there as well, too. But I'm going to give two, Chantel. Um, I am going to give I would like to see the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets trade for DeMarcus Cousins. Look, I know Harden's name has been in the mix for Ben Simmons and all these different things. But I think they need someone who is an enforcer, someone who's going to give them some like some fight, someone who, yeah, in the paint who is going to say, you know what, look, 
we are going to make sure that if they try to come in the paint, that they're going to get hit down, kind of like what Detroit Pistons used to do to Michael Jordan, right? Like they need some type of toughness on that team. And look, I think we often forget that Boogie used to average like 25 and 14, right? Before his Achilles, yeah. And if you see him play, okay, he may not be able to get you the 25, but Boogie can still get you 14 and 10. And right now, the Brooklyn Nets just don't have an identity. Yes, KD's hurt, um, Kyrie's situation, James Harden's situation, but they need some toughness. And I think bringing him in would do them um, of value. The other thing, Chantel, you know, we're going over to the Clippers. Now, you see what they are without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, yet they are still in the playoff mix. I look at the areas where they may have need some help in Chantel. Um, they need somebody to rebound, need somebody to score, need somebody to help facilitate, open up the wing again for their shooters. They got some good shooters on that team. I know they just got Norman Powell and they got Robert, Robert Covington. I don't really think they necessarily needed that trade. But I would like to see them make a trade for DeMontis Sabonis. I think that opens up a lot more room for their shooters to get some shots. You know, DeMontis is going to come in. He's, I, don't, I think he's averaging 18, 19, but he's also got 10 boards, 10, 11 boards, and he's also getting six or seven assists. I think with them, even without Paul and Kawhi, it makes them a better team. Now you bring in Paul and Kawhi with Sabonis, Man, I think that is a great force to be reckoned with because I think Tyron Lue is doing a great job coaching the squad. Yeah. They're trusting in his philosophies. So that's the trade that I would like to see Chantel a little bit different than what the media is saying. Um, but I think uh, those trades would be beneficial for those teams and what they need right now. What are your thoughts? Who do you uh, think would benefit from some of the trades that's happening right now? Well, you know, first shout out to Tyron Lue because he's really done a great job with the Clippers. I actually love the move that they made. I mean, Portland emptied out their books. They're ready to tank. That's why they <laughs> had to trade, you know, Rocco and Norman Powell. But I think that adds so much more depth onto the Clippers. Uh, you know, PG-13, when is he going to come back? Also, you know, if he comes back, that means Kawhi might come back. Like, we don't know. But I think they have a lot of depth at this point. So I don't even know if the Clippers should make that move. Of course, if, like, they get DeMontis some bonus, that's crazy but there was also reports that he might head over to Washington who is in a playoff spot right now they look really good so I could possibly see that trade going down Indiana's trying to blow it up as well Miles Turner might be shipped somewhere as well so it's something to keep an eye on um, I'm going to go off the board as well of course with the Joe Ingles injury in Utah you know they're going to need a guy I think if they went for like a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes, ooh, Utah would be even more scary than they already are, right? Because Donovan Mitchell is back. You got Rudy Gobert. You got Mike Connolly, who's been one of the most underrated point guards in the league for like a decade now. This is actually a scary team that nobody's talking about. They're sitting in fourth in the Western Conference. If you had a guy like Jeremy Grant to the squad, that could absolutely change everything about this game because he's a scorer, scorer. He can rebound. And also... You know, when Denver made that run, it was because of Jeremy Grant. Like, people forget when Jeremy Grant dipped from Denver, you saw a little bit of a low come into their game where they were trying to make, like, MPJ be that dude. And he definitely can, but, of course, like, MPJ is injured. He's out for the season. So, I think if Utah makes that trade for to get a guy like Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes that isn't happy in Sacktown, that could change everything. I also think the Lakers should try to aim for a guy like Harrison Barnes. Because I'm surprised the Lakers didn't try to go for Joel Embiid or DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, you know, just trying to stack. They're they're trying to get every, anyone that they can. I don't even know if they do 
move Russ before the trade deadline. I don't think they should because I don't think Russ is the problem. And if they can all get healthy, like even a guy like Kendrick Dunn, um, I still think the Lakers could be a problem in the Western Conference. They just don't play any defense, though. Like, in, right? They, they're terrible defensively unless AD is absolutely healthy. As for Ben Simmons, I don't think we see him get moved before the deadline. I think the asking price for him is way too high. We might see him get moved possibly, hopefully, in the offseason, but I don't see Ben Simmons uh, getting moved before the deadline. I don't even think James Harden. I I don't think Ben Simmons in Brooklyn is a good fit. Like, am I the only one that doesn't think that? Just because, like, Ben isn't a shooter. Kyrie Mm. is, like, ball dominant. He's going to be bringing up the ball. Um, Of course, he gave that over to Harden, but I mean, Ben is a playmaker. Um, He's really good at defensively, but I don't think that necessarily makes Brooklyn any better than they are if they let James Harden go. So I I actually, I don't like that trade. I think, I think the reason why people might be saying that, right, is because that probably means um, more shots for Kevin Durant, right? And if they bring in Ben Simmons and they're probably going to, I think the package would be with Seth Curry as well too. So that brings another shooter. Now you just said Kyrie's ball dominant. You know, so is Ben in a way. So does that mean that yeah. they get rid of Kyrie down the road? Because Ben is younger. He's taller. He can play better defense than all of the players on the Brooklyn Nets team. So it would just be interesting. But I think that's why they're saying it. But, you know, what do we it's know? It's something. It's Yeah, exactly. <laughs> these, these are just trades that we're obviously putting together that we think would fit. But Point Blank wants to know what trade do you want to see happen before the deadline? You can drop some comments in our YouTube section. Of course, follow us on IG, on Twitter. And uh, of course, you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Chantel, we've got to talk about Israel Adesanya, the, the last style bender versus Robert Reaper Whitaker. Number two, not one Chantel, but number two. What are your thoughts on this fight and who do you have winning? Well, we've seen Israel Adesanya already get the TKO victory over Robert Whitaker. So it's tough to say that that definitely won't happen again, but let's take a look at both these guys. So Robert Whitaker, I feel like he controls the distance really well. He's got those heavy leg kicks that can cause some major damage. I think he's got really good speed. He came up from welterweight, so he's got that welterweight speed, and he brought that over to middleweight. So it's really interesting to see the fact that he's still got that speed, and that can cause some serious troubles for whoever he's fighting he can be very explosive especially when he hits you with those nasty combos he's got speed in those combos like I mentioned he's got really good takedown defense when guys get him on the canvas he's really able to recover quickly and get out of those situations super light on his feet he's got very clean footwork I would even say that it's 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 pretty fresh his footwork as for Izzy I think one of his major advantages is his reach because he knows how to use it really well. In that last fight with Whitaker, I thought that was one of his advantages. The fact that he was able to use his reach so well, the way he was able to time things. I think Izzy kind of reels you in. He's got such a high IQ and then he kind of starts landing on you. And that's when things can kind of get scary when you're facing a guy like Adesanya. You know, in that first fight after that first round, it was that uppercut that got Whitaker on the ground and he was able to recover. came back in that second round. And you're thinking, you know, Whitaker looks okay here. And then in the second round, you know, 
Izzy was able to land that left hook, which was nasty. And then it was the timing of it. Like Izzy's timing, I think it's something to really praise because his timing is on point. Reels you in and then able to just time when he's going to hit you and he's able to land and be explosive in those moments. So I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya to get the victory, TKO victory in the third round. As a betting woman, though, I might just take Whitaker just for the odds. <laughs> what about you, Akeem? Who do you have winning this fight and why? Akeem is not a betting person, but um, I was actually very impressed with with uh, Robert Whitaker's last fight against Kelvin Gastelum. Um, it was I never really want to say a masterful performance because, you know, we all want to be masters, but that means we never, ever make mistakes. But I think this was a great performance for him. He used um, his boxing IQ. He didn't rush to get his shots. He stayed poised. He stayed within his skill set. You know, kicks were coming, high kicks, low kicks that set up uppercuts. He did a great job in picking Kelvin apart. Um, and one of the mistakes that that he made against fighting Israel last time was he was lunging a lot, kind of in a sense of desperation to try to get him. But in this fight, he was a lot more poised against Kelvin Gaslam. And I think if he keeps this up, it will be a different fight for when he gets in the ring with Izzy on um, this weekend. Now we talk about the last style bender. What a sweet name, right? Um, in his fight against uh, Marvin Vittori, I don't think people understand how deceivingly big Izzy is now you look at him and you're just like wait you know he's kind of skinny but you get next to him and he's tall and he's kind of wide and his legs are big but what I don't think people understand about Izzy is how elusive that he is you talked about his reach his reach in both his his, his arms and his legs are giving problems for anybody because he can kick you and you're just like wait a minute where's that foot coming from but then you look at him and it's just like okay I see I see why he's able to do this. So I think he is going to use what he did last time um, and try and uh, attack and make the fight um, his way. Izzy wants to be composed. He's not going to take uncalculated shots. Every shot is going to be calculated. He's not going to rush anything. He's going to be patient. He wants, he wants you to fight at his pace. Robert has to do the same. He has to be patient. He has to be composed. He has to stay in within his new psychological trust because I think Izzy does have the psychological advantage because he's beat him before. Um, but I just think Izzy is a little bit too elusive. I don't think people give him as much credit for his fighting IQ. Uh, but I have Izzy winning this one. However, I don't think it is going to be the same outcome as far as knockout. I think it is going to go the distance because I think Robert has learned from his last fight and he's a better fighter. What's interesting is uh, Robert said, I let Izzy get inside my head. This time it won't be that same plan. And I'm like, it always sounds good until the press conferences come and Izzy says something and the situation happens and you get outside of yourself. But I do think Robert is a different fighter. Uh, I think if he wants to win this one, he's going to have to take some risk. What I mean by risk is he's going to have to try to do for some more shoot takedowns and try to use his bigger frame, his upper bigger frame and try to tire Izzy out on the ground a little bit more. So I think 
that's what Robert is going to have to do. But I still have the last style bender winning this fight. Um, and it's going to, it's going to go to uh, the decision. Point blank would love to know what are your thoughts on this fight? Do you think the last style bender beats the Reaper for a second time around? What great nicknames they have. <laughs> love it. We got to come up with some nicknames like that. For us? Yeah, like not, like what would be your fight name, your fight nickname? Oh, I think you'd be I think you'd really, be Akeem No Games Haynes. <laughs> not be a good one. And I don't I don't think it's good when when we give our own nicknames. I think we just got to let it come to us. We're forcing That's it. That's true, true. Right? And what happens and what happened when um the reaper forced his 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 will against the, the last style bender? It didn't work out so good. We don't want that to happen to us, Chantel. True, true, but, true. Maybe our point blank listeners would like to give us a nickname. We are open to that as well. Let us know in the YouTube comments section below. Chantel one time was back in the ring against Mario El Azteca Barrios. What was what was your thoughts on this fight, Chantel? What stuck out to you? What you like, what you didn't like, and who do you think Keith Thurman should fight next? All right, I'm going to hold off on that last question until the end because I'm still pondering about that. But uh, you know what? I was I was kind of wrong, man. I thought, you know, Keith Thurman was going to come out with some ring rust. And of course, uh, Mario Barrios was able to land on him in the early rounds a little bit, like touch him up, but didn't really do too much damage, man. Keith Thurman, I didn't see any real ring rust there, to be quite honest with you. He came out aggressive and got to work right away. He was throwing the jab really well, moving around the ring really well. And he was actually showing off his speed with those combos that he was landing as well. Like I mentioned, Mario Barrios, you know, he did land some really good, like touched him up, touched him up a little bit in the first round. He was able to land on Thurman, but I think Thurman's speed, his um, moving around the ring was a little bit too much for Barrios. And let's be serious here. After the first three rounds, Keith Thurman, I mean, not even the first three rounds, man, Keith Thurman won every round. Like there was one or two rounds where I'm like, maybe I can give that to Barrios, but I think it was like in that fourth or fifth round I might have been the fifth round where it's like Barrios was having a pretty pretty decent round like touching him up a bit and then all of a sudden Keith Thurman comes and like lands a crazy combo and I'm like well he had the better moment in the round there's like no way I'm giving that round to Barrios as I like unofficially keep score of this at home uh so Keith Thurman literally dominated this entire fight I think Mario Barrios did have moments in every round. Like, I'm not saying that he got washed or he got bodied or anything like that. Mario Barrios had moments in every round that he fought Thurman, but Thurman just outboxed him in those rounds. Like that was the main thing that I saw. He had bigger moments. He outboxed him in every round. And that's why Keith Thurman was dominating this entire fight. Thurman didn't get the knockout victory. Uh, I think there were some moments, though, that he had Mario Barrios hurt because Keith Thurman still has power, but Mario Barrios has a chin. I know we, you know, go back to that Tank fight where Tank knocked him down in the eighth round two times, but let's be serious here. Tank Davis is like baby Mike Tyson, like with the power, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's a different type of power. So I think the fact that Keith Thurman was dominant throughout every round and against a young guy who has a very good chin mario barrios man let's give him some major props because he stayed in there for 12 rounds there were times in that fight where i'm thinking i think keith thurman i think one time can finish off this fight but he was able to recover uh sometimes i was like i don't know i think his equilibrium is going to be off after that one 
but he was able to get through those 12 rounds. And it, for me, that was so impressive. I think Mario Barrios is a very talented boxer. I think he just has a lot more to learn because Keith Thurman is coming into this fight and he has way more experience. Yeah. And I think experience was the factor as well. I mean, you're fighting against, well, I mean, Mario Barrios is a former champion as well, but this is Keith Thurman. At one time, he was at the top of the division and everyone was saying his name. He's got big wins against guys like Sean Porter, Danny Garcia. So when you actually think about it, Keith Thurman, like experience was a big factor in this one. But shout out to Mario Barrios because he came out, he fought his butt off. And I think he had a really good performance. And at the end of the day, Keith Thurman was too much for him. So one time is back. Like one time is back. And to be quite honest, he looks better than ever. I'm. I don't know, like right now, I have nothing bad to say. I'm just like, damn, does Keith Thurman look better than he ever did at this point? The way he was coming out, he doesn't fight the same anymore. Before it was like that one-time power. He was coming out, punching you with power every time. But now he's moving, like using the jab really well, moving around the ring. Like his timing is still impeccable. Um, you know, he's able to obviously, he was able to find Mario Barrios when he was left open. Like what Keith Thurman put on, he put on a beautiful boxing performance and I think the rest of the division has to look out because Keith Thurman is no joke, especially when he's boxing like this. What about you, Akeem? What were your thoughts on this bout? I want to start with El Azteca. I just like saying that name. That's a great name. Um, look, man, the man is a warrior. I have a newfound respect for him. Um, I, I, I think I think it was like the eighth or ninth round. You know, the eye was cut. The blood was gushing down his face. And he was like going like this, beating his trunks. I'm just like, yo, guy, like, bro, you're getting body right now but you're still coming forward looking to fight i was like yo you have my respect yes he is coming off a loss against uh tank um he moved up in weight class right and he took on one of the top welterweights that we've seen in the past 10 years and let's be honest very few people despite what they may say online right about keith thurman are not going to step up in weight class yet alone take a fight against Keith Thurman. So we got to give him his respect for doing that. Um, man, Mario did his best. <laughs> you know, like he did his best. He landed some good body shots on Keith, you know, the one where he took his mouth guard out. Uh, but apart from that, right, you know, he hung in there and, and he did his best. Like, I, 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 I don't know what more you can really say, right? Like he did his best. Um, but I do think this, I think, I think, I think Mario will get better. Um, and I do think he will go on to have some success in this division if he chooses to stay there. Uh, it's just a tough feat when you got to face a contender um, and a person like Keith Thurman, who has been fighting since forever. And I'm sure Mario has as well, too. But um, on to one time, I think 12 rounds was exactly what he needed. I know we talked about, you know, the knockouts. Um, in the pre-show when we did our predictions on it, but I think this 12 round was what he needed. There are going to be a lot of other shows who probably try and tear one time down saying, you know, he didn't knock him out. Um, you know, he didn't look the same and this and that. But just because you didn't get the knockdown, the knockout does not mean you did not put a beating on someone and still have a good performance. Because in my opinion, this was a very good comeback performance. But I also want to go into a little bit of this until as a as a former professional athlete right who competed at an elite level um 
my longest layoff was probably in 2016 after the Olympic games, when I came back in the off season and I took about a month and some change off. And then I came back to training and I remember my first session, my coach was saying, he was like, Akeem, knees up, Akeem, you're kicking out, Akeem, this, Akeem, that. I'm thinking to myself, yo, did I forget how to run? (laughs) Like, I'm like, yo, did I forget how to do this? Right. And that was just under two months. Uh, Keith Thurman took almost three years off and some things was out of his control, but it does a lot for you when you have to take time off and you're coming into the ring. It's like, you're still trying to find certain things. You're still trying to find that, that, that boxing skill set. man, is my jab still there? Is my hook still there? Is my focus still there? And all these different things, you don't know how it's going to play out. Right. You talked about, um, I talked about last time where I said, it's different when you're sparring and you're coming into a ring with somebody who's trying to take your head off. I think Keith Thurman, after all his sparring that he's done, he wasn't trying to knock his sparring partner's heads off in training. Your body is going to do what it's accustomed to do when it's been doing the same reps every single day. Yes. Were there some rounds that I thought that uh, Keith Thurman could have went and, and took Barrios out? Absolutely. But he probably didn't have that killer instinct in his camp. And it took over when he came into the box room. I could be wrong. We're just speculating here. But could he have knocked him out? Yeah. But I think that killer mentality is going to come as his next fight goes in. But what I was impressed with um, was how his legs looked in the later round. He was moving on his toes. He looked good. I'm like, man, one time's conditioning is looking right. You talked about, uh, this came to mind when you talked about he looked a little bit different in the ring. You saw those leaping hooks. You saw those flurries. Did that not look a little Manny Pacquiao-esque a little bit, right? He which, definitely took from that fight. Which goes to show you that he's learning from his fight. You look at Canelo Alvarez when he lost to Floyd Mayweather. Some of the things that he took from Floyd was the head movement, right? So as you can see, this is how a person that loses a fight should take this next task and say, you know what? I have to learn from it. I'm going to take a little bit of that isms, whoever beat them, take some of that isms and apply it to this next fight. So I actually like this performance that one time did, right? I thought, uh, I thought he looked, he came in looking good. He looked sharp. He was quick. The power is still there. He could have got him out, but it is going to take time for him to get back to his old self. Remember when we were talking about Clay Thompson coming back and I was seeing Clay Thompson stuff on, on, on social media. And they're like, yo, Clay's going to come back and go right back to scoring 25 points. And I was like, yo, are you mad? That's not going to happen. It's going to take time. I don't think we, I think we're about one more fight away from seeing the one time that we are accustomed to. Um, So I thought it was a good fight, 12 rounds. Um, I liked it. I liked it. But I want to go back to that question, Chantel. Who should one time fight next? Oh, man. You know what? This is kind of hard because it's like, who does he fight at this point? Because Yugas and Spence, I believe, are working on a deal to fight, right? Spence has the IBF and the WBC, and Yugas has the WBA. So that fight would be for those belts, all three of those belts. And I want the winner to fight Bud Crawford, who has the WBO. So now I'm thinking, who does Keith Thurman fight? And I, I'm looking at, you know, the guys in the welterweight division, which we're going to get into our top five welterweights. And I'm like, does he go and fight? Does he go and fight Bud? Like, cause I think I'm sorry, I'm picking Bud. Like, I'll tell you right now, we don't even need the prediction for me when we get that fight. 
Like I'm picking Bud to win that fight, but does he fight Bud? Because I mean, Keith Thurman is a former champion. He just came out and he took care of Mario Barrios and you guys and Spencer are going to fight. So who is Crawford, you know, who is Crawford going to fight? Who, who is next up for Crawford at this point? So I'm like, does he fight Keith Thurman? Cause that's a blockbuster fight, right? For me, that's a blockbuster fight, but does Thurman need another fight before he fights a Bud Crawford? I think he does. Um, I don't think he has to, but I, I think he might want another fight after taking that delay. Like you said, we haven't seen, you know, one time, like the real one time yet because he's took some time off and he's just getting right back into it. Very impressive performance, but we know that we can see even more from Keith Thurman. So I'm like, you know, does he fight like it? I heard Danny Garcia is moving up to 154. Bro, yeah. Bro, come back, Joe, just chill out. <laughs> he needs to go back. He needs to go back down to 140, actually, because that was his best weight class. But I, I mean, I think I wouldn't mind seeing Thurman and Crawford. I don't know if Thurman is. I think that's a blockbuster fight. I don't know if that should happen already, but like, who is he? Like, he's not going to go fight like a Jerron Ennis or a Virgil Ortiz. You know, um, what about you? Who do you think he should fight? Well, um, I think I think uh, one time should fight one other fighter inside the top 10 in the division. Um, I think I think one time needs one more fight to refine some things and to feel that cop. I mean, one time is always confident. Let's like let's, that's not what I'm saying. You know, if he, he single handedly sold this fight. But I think he needs one more fight against a top 10 contender in the division uh, before we talk about, you know, uh, Keith Thurman, Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, Ugas, Keith Thurman, Crawford. Um, I don't think any of those guys are going to fight Boots. Not, I don't think any of them yeah. are going to fight him. Um, but I would like to see Keith Thurman one more fight, top 10 welterweight, before we talk about who is going to come next. I'm actually very interested to see who TC fights next. With, the, with all that is happening around him, it's like, does he get into the ring this year? I don't know. There's a lot happening in the play. Too much drama. Like, there's just a lot that comes with TC now, right? But I I, I, I hope we get to see him in the ring because he's a tr uh, tremendous fighter, which goes into what we're going to talk about next, Chantel. Top five welterweights right now. This is our rankum section. Rankum, what is rankum? This is where we pick, you know, maybe a certain number of the best of a certain sports or topics that we see fit. So our rankum segment this time around Chantel is rank your top five welterweights. And where do you see Keith Thurman inside that top five? Or is he in the top six? I don't know. I don't know. What All right, hold up, hold up. I haven't spoke about this. Am I not allowed to put Sean Porter in here? Cause he's retired. Because yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's the one question that I, that I kind of had, like, cause I would definitely put Sean Porter in my top five. I don't but think now that back, though. I don't think Showtime. No, he's not. He he's retired. So do I leave him out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta leave out Showtime. All right. So this is my top five. I'm gonna start off. You know what? I want to start off with number five, and this was really really hard for me. So I actually got Danny Garcia in that five spot. Yeah, I know Danny Garcia has taken. Uh, yeah, I know Danny Garcia has taken some L's, but at the same time, he's fought guys. Um, you know what I mean? He's been fighting these dudes. I know that he was really good at 140, um, but I still have Danny Garcia <laughs> in that five swap because he did take that fight with Spence. And of course, he saw his face after that. Nobody touched up Danny Garcia like that ever until Spence did because Danny Garcia's face was crazy. But the fact that Danny Garcia has the experience and he's been in the ring with those guys, it was hard for me to leave him off that list. Uh, right underneath him, though, is Jerron Ennis. Because for me, it's like, who has Jerron Ennis fought? Right. Like who has he like, who, what is his name? 
Like, what's that name on the resume where you're like, oh, yeah. So Jerron Ennis is right there for me at six. Um, I need him to fight a, big, a bigger name, though. I need him to find a fight a name on the resume where it's like, okay, then he gets that, he gets that fifth spot, but he's right there. The only reason why I have Danny Garcia there is because of the experience, because of the guys that he's been in the ring with. Um, number four, I have Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman and me, uh, former champ. We saw him come in with Mario Barrios. Uh, you saw Barrios's face. Keith Thurman did some work in that ring. It was impressive. No ring rust. I was talking about ring rust before this. Uh, yeah. Barrios, like I said, touched him a little bit, but yeah, Keith Thurman is number four for me. Uh, number three, you guys, I mean, come on the WBA really good performance that he had against Pacquiao got him at number three, number two, I got Errol Spence and no surprise. I got Bud Crawford as number one. He is the best welterweight and on the pound for pound list, he is number two, right behind Canelo. And I have him just behind Canelo because of the names that of course Canelo has on his resume for on the pound for pound list. Well, for my welterweights, number six, Jerron Ennis, number five, Danny Garcia, because of his resume, the guys that he has fought, even though he does have those three L's, Danny Garcia has been in the ring with the best of them. Keith Thurman is number four for me. You guys, number three. Then I got Spence, and then I got Bud Crawford as number one. What about you, Akeem? Who are your top five welterweights? Yeah, the list is pretty is pretty similar. You know, I, I, I'm a big on like, man, who have you fought? Right. Because I think sometimes, you know, a good promotion company can build you up. A fighter can be 40 and oh, but it's like, yo, who is on your list? And so for me, if we're talking about top five, um, I have boots right now at top five uh, because his resume isn't like the others, but he's just dangerous. And you can see that yeah. he's a he's a high risk, low reward for anybody in that division right now because he's talented he's skilled he's got all the tools um and he's just in a dangerous position right now and it's kind of you know you 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 want to be in positions where people will want to fight you right but then it's like you could upset them and they're like i don't know if i want to take that risk right so you're kind of stuck into this position where you're going to have to be on the waiting list a little bit longer so i got boots at five um, I got one time at four, um, you know, impressive fight off the layover, you know, one times, one times list, you know, it's, it's hard to argue with that. Um, I have Ugas because Ugas has fought a bunch of these uh, other contenders, especially in the win over Manny Pacquiao and some of the other fighters that he had. Um, so I have him as, as, as three, the switch that I have here, Chantel, um, I have Terrence Crawford second. And the I'm about to leave. I'm, I'm going to leave right now. And, 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 <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Finish, finish what you got to say. And the reason why I have Terrence Crawford second is because Errol Spence has a better resume. And I understood because I was always saying, you know, I was like, man, why is why, why is Spence trying to do the 60-40 split or the 70-30 split? And it's like, yo, that's kind of disrespectful, right? But then as you think about it, there has been other interviews and other things way before where Errol Spence is just like, man, they are not promoting him well, right? They're not giving him his due justice. So we're not really worried about that right now, right? It's hard to argue with that because for me, I'm just like, man, did Spence know something that that Crawford didn't know? Like, maybe if they were closer, maybe, you know, cordial in some sense, he would have been like, yo, you should not be over there. You should try to get out and go somewhere else so we can make this thing happen. Um, three bells to the one, 
you know, I think that's another thing as well too, or two belts to the West, another thing as well too. So uh, I have, I have Spence, I have Spence as a top welterweight in that division for me. <laughs> yes. All right. So I just yes. want to say though, yes, but Scott is knocking dudes out also. I don't care what anybody says, Sean yes. Porter and that Spence fight, that was a draw. Like that, that was such a draw. You know what? I'm, I'm not hating on Spence. He's actually one of my favorite boxers, but you know my love for Bud. I'm not a, um, I'm got not a big Spence ring. guy either though. We, we have to see them in the ring. You know, we, we got to get this fight. We have to get this blockbuster fight. So Akeem and I can finally put this one to rest. Um, but Point Blank wants to know when it comes to the top five welterweights in the game, list your top five, drop them in our YouTube section. Let us know on Twitter and IG. You'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Now, Akeem, we're going to transition into something that's been going on social media it's in the boxing world but let's be serious this might be something that a lot of people can relate to teofuma lopez took a big loss against george cambosis jr this was possibly the biggest upset of the year but there were things that were going on outside of the boxing ring with his family uh with his ex-wife i don't know if they're um separate i think they're separated they haven't been officially divorced um he just had a baby um and he's been tweeting some things one of his tweets career is going great but the rest of me is falling slowly he also had another one this is half a tweet the hardest part is carrying a burden that was never yours and to be apart from my son so obviously he's posting this on social media publicly and everyone seeing it, I believe it's a cry for help. What do you think this means, Akeem? And what are your thoughts on Teofimo Lopez and um, his tweets that he's sending out there and everything he's posting on social media? I think it's a bunch of things. You know, obviously one of the hardest things for any person is to balance, right? What does balance look like? Healthy balance look like, you know? Um, I don't believe that there is such thing as a healthy work-life balance because one thing has to be sacrificed a little bit more than the other. You say you want to be great at one thing. Well, it's going to take a little bit of hit here. So it's how do you find that balance in your career? Who is around you? All of these different things he's trying to balance and he just lost. It seemed like his whole world used to be inside of boxing. And then he, and then he met, uh, uh, um, you said that you said they're divorced now or working on that. I, I don't know if they're officially divorced. I think let's just say they're separated because I know they're not together. And uh, clearly he is not seeing his son a lot. I don't know if, I don't know if he has seen him, but there's issues there. So you, boxing has been your world since day one. You meet this woman and this woman changes your life and you see a future with her. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And then now you, you know, you're trying to balance um, seeing your child well, now your world has opened up in many different ways. So you're trying to seek something. You're trying to seek, man, how do I handle this situation? How do I, how do I not lose myself? All of these different questions. And I think in this position, man, this is why it's important to have good people and mentors around you, right? It's important to have people who have been in certain positions or can give you constructive criticism or can just be there to listen. A lot of times people do things on social media because they don't have anybody to listen to them. If my close circle isn't going to listen to me, I know the world will. But also at times too, we don't know how to ask for help from our immediate circle because we don't want to seem weak. I'm never going to place judgment on anybody. Obviously what he is doing, he's trying to balance his life. You're coming off a loss where you lost all the belts 
right? You're coming from a situation where you are trying to see your child and all these different things that come with this. Like, man, we don't know what is going on. Maybe the people around you don't fully know what's going on inside of your head. But I really think at times you have to let your friends be your friends, even if that makes you vulnerable and and susceptible to putting your heart out there and understanding that that does come with something as well too. But I think, I, I think all of this, he just needs somebody to really talk to and he just needs some guidance. A lot of times we just need a little bit of guidance and some direction. And I think that's possibly what he may need. We don't fully know. We're not in a circle. All we can do is give our best uh, speculation on what we think is happening. But what are your thoughts on the situation? Um, it's honestly, it's really tough to see Teofimo Lopez cry out for help like that, because that's what I think it actually is. And he's doing it publicly. And I know that's probably, that's not the best way to do it, but in this like life that we're living right now, in this day and age, in this time, everything is on social media, whether we like it or not. Um, I definitely don't like to put my whole life on social media. Um, but some people definitely do like to, right? So I think with Teofimo Lopez, I think for some strange reason, he wants acceptance from people that don't matter. Like, for example, when he lost against George Cambosis Jr., a lot of people on social media were hating on him, you know, talking about, you know, Teofimo Lopez isn't the real deal. Like, what a terrible performance. Like, we all saw the fight. And of course, if you're in the public eye, you are going to get criticized and you're going to take a lot of heat. But what I kind of saw after was Teofimo Lopez, like pleading how great he was. Teofimo Lopez does not have to prove to anybody how great he is. Everything that he's accomplished until now has been amazing. Like when you think about everything he's accomplished. So I feel bad for him that for some reason he needs validation from these people. He doesn't need any validation. Teofimo Lopez has done a lot more than a lot of people have. And that kind of hurts my heart because he has accomplished so much at such a young age. Now to mix in what he's going through personally, I think there was, you know, a little bit of a preview before he fought Lomachenko where he talked about him and his father's relationship not being the same. There is a more going on with Teofimo Lopez than has that's been put out there. And I think everything that's going on with him and his dad, maybe that relationship has been a little bit rocky from what it sounds like. But at the same time, he obviously has a lot of love for his dad. His dad's still his trainer. But there's so much going on with him that I think him using Twitter as an outlet, maybe that's therapy for him. And I think if that is therapy for him, then we got to let him do him. But I do think that he needs to talk to somebody and it needs to be outside of the public eye because he obviously needs to figure out how to deal with his emotions and everything that he's been going through. When you become a champ at such a young age, he defeated arguably everyone at that point was saying that Lomachenko was pound for pound, one of the best boxers in the world. And he defeats him, has a whole bunch of media attention. Then everything happens with Triller. Like there's been a lot on this guy's plate. And then I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not around Teofimo Lopez. I don't talk to him. I'm just a boxing fan, but who knows what's going on with him and his son. And that must be affecting him a lot. So as we know, breakups are hard, (laughs) but like, you know, to do it in the public eye for everyone to know what you're kind of going through. Like, I don't know how that feels. So, you know, I just hope Teofimo Lopez does have people around him. That's gonna, you know, steer him in the right direction and hopefully let him go talk to somebody. It's really sad to see him going through so much and I just hope he's getting the help. So, you know, prayers go out to Teofimo Lopez, uh, 
I don't, I don't, I doubt he's ever going to see this, but hopefully you know that you are great and you don't have to prove anything to anybody and hopefully you can go get that help. But T, uh, point blank wants to know what are your thoughts on Teofimo Lopez's tweets? You can drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on IG and Twitter. Let's stay, let's, let's stay right there. Chantel real quick, because something you said, um, which will part parlay over into what we're going to be talking about next. I think, I think it's important to stay on this topic right now. Um, you said he has nothing to prove and by rights he doesn't but as an athlete Chantel you never quite feel like you get the full respect that you deserve right like all the sacrifices that you put in you never feel like every person appreciates it and whether you say it doesn't or not it still goes with you inside of your head to say you know what man I risk everything here and I go out here and you know no one even says thank you for the work that you've been doing or this and that. And not even talking about boxing because everybody isn't a boxer, but we can all go down to everyday life when maybe maybe someone asks you to do something. Right. You know, maybe, you know, maybe maybe, maybe your partner or your mother or your father or whomever says, you know what, man, just wash, I need you to wash the dishes. Right. And you wash the dishes and no thank you is being said. And you do it again the next day and no thank you is being said. Well, it, you know, it starts to get inside of your head. Just like, yo, they don't appreciate the work that I've been doing out here. Right. So it's all these different things that can make up anxiety, depression, and cause us to have thoughts that we never thought we would. And the world is uh, already a dark enough place as it, as it seems. And I don't know, maybe there's someone listening to this or maybe coming across watching this and man, you've been having some dark thoughts. And you've been thinking about just like, man, you know, man, what if it's just not worth anymore, right? Like nobody sees me, right? Like I'm here, I'm talking and just like, yo, I need help. It's like, yo, nobody's reaching out. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like maybe you just not in the good state of like feeling like you matter. I think it's very important to understand that, man, we all have low moments. We all have dark thoughts sometimes. Like nobody out here is perfect, right? Like life can be heavy at times. Life is beautiful but heavy in moments. So I think it's important to know that if you are feeling like this, if you are feeling the anxiety going up, maybe you're just feeling sad and don't even know why. I think it's important to reach out to the people that, that love you to say, you know what, I just need you to listen. Because a lot of times two people have their stuff going on and maybe we, and maybe they don't really know. Right. And so I think it's just important to know now, if you feel yourself going down these routes and feeling like this, man, it's important to open up your voice rather than to let the pain of silence be the reason why you're not here anymore. What, what, what? I, I want to ask you this, Chantel, before we close out. Um, a lot of people don't know, right, that 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 they are anxious until they feel their heart pounding in moments like this and just yeah, like wait yeah. a minute why do i feel so stressed all of a sudden um the pandemic is probably exasperated a little bit more as well too right because it's all affecting us uh, i'm just curious during the pandemic uh, Chantel, did you have any moments of like anxiety during it or like or like things creeping inside of your head like yo oh what do i do here maybe the panic button was hit a bit because i want to know like how 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 did you navigate those thoughts? To be quite honest, like anxiety is a real thing. I think everyone has a little bit of it and they might not even know that they have it. Like I didn't even know that I had a little bit of it. And I realized that one of my outlets was going to the gym, 
Like that is a, a big release for me. Every time I'm stressed out about something, I get a little bit anxious. Maybe I've got a little bit too much on my plate, which I usually tend to take on a little bit more than I should. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to do. Um, you know, and it keeps laughing because I literally talk to him about this all the time. And I'm like, I'm so stressed out. Like I got to do this and that. And, uh, you know, always gives me some really good advice. But one of the things that I do daily, um, you know, a lot of people go to the gym to, of course, like work out, be healthy. Um, being healthy, a part of that is mental health. And for me going to the gym, um, honestly, it's just about my mental health, like just mentally being focused and just releasing whatever stress and anxiety that I have. During the pandemic, there was a time where gyms were not open. Just recently, gyms were shut down here where I'm at. And, you know, I started working out at home, like I ordered resistant bands. Um, I was like skipping rope a lot. And even that helped me a bit to get through my day because just a little bit of physical activity helped me get through it. So that's something that I have to do every day to make sure that I keep that part of my life as healthy as I can be, because it's the one thing that really helps me other than just sitting on my couch watching sports, which is um, another release for me. Like that to me is like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be anxious. But if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. If you think you're the only one that feels a little bit low sometimes or a little bit anxious, you're definitely not the only one. I think there's always been a stigma with mental health and it's becoming more and more acceptable, but let's be serious. There is still a stigma and a lot of people are scared to talk about it. I don't talk about it often, um, probably just to like my, you know, close friends or um, sometimes like, you know, one of my sisters, but it's something that I'm not publicly talking about because I am not as comfortable talking about it now, but when it comes to my anxiety, um, being able to be like, Hey, do something that makes you feel good. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's sitting down on the couch, watching endless hours of sports. I don't know what it is, but just do it for yourself. Because once you start doing things for yourself and taking care of yourself, you're going to feel a lot better. And just remember that. So those are kind of my thoughts, Akeem, what I went through during the pandemic, uh, what I had to figure out when the gyms got closed and something I still do every day to make sure, you know, I'm keeping as healthy as I can be. Yes. Thank you for sharing that, Chantal. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not uh, a clinical doctors here, but yeah. I, 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 I think what you said, a lot of people could get from it as well, too. When you said you reach out to certain people and your sisters, you have someone to reach out to. Right. And I think even if we can get out of our own head sometimes and put our own, you know, little ego and pride aside and say that we need help, um, that'll hopefully put us in a better position to get out of that funk and that mood that we are in. Um, but again, if point blank would love to know um, if you have any thoughts or comments, any tips that could help someone who may watch this, uh, please let us know in the comments section below. Um, I'm sure it would be helpful um, for those who come across it. Who, who knows, you know, we all have strategies and your strategy may, may be able to help somebody and then it becomes that domino effect. But Chantel, before we get out of here, look, we have what now 104 subscribers on YouTube. We've hit a little bit of a century mark and we wouldn't be able to hit those mark if it wasn't for you, the people. So we appreciate it. We appreciate your support and all the love that you continue to show the show. Um, we are going to continue to provide as best feedback and content as we can and just continue to have fun with it but before we go just want to say thank you for your support we truly 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 appreciate it so with that being said i am mckee haynes i'm Chantal chan and this is point blank and of course you better believe we'll see you next <laughs>